Good morning. This is the last sermon today in our More Than Enough series on living generously. And of course, um, it's fitting that we take communion because as we look at the communion table, we are reminded that God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son. And he did that for us. He did that because he loved us. Uh, the scriptures are full of stories of generosity. And in all of them, there are people in need and there are people who can meet those needs. And, and we are a congregation that has both of those people. Some of us have more than enough. Others have barely enough. But what unites us is our faith in our one Lord, Jesus Christ. And so the question of the day really is, how strong is your faith? How deep are you spiritually? In Psalm 42, David says that deep cries out to deep. And, and part of what he's saying is that we'll, we'll find God in the deep places of life, in deep pain, in deep fear, deep joy, deep intimacy, and deep sacrifice. For example, in the story of the widow's might, Jesus commends her not for giving those two small bronze coins, but for the depth of her faith, for her willingness to trust God in the face of uncertainty. And, and what Jesus is saying is that, that our generosity is often a reflection of our spirituality, our willingness to put our trust in God completely, wholeheartedly. And so let me ask you again, how deep is your faith? How deep are you spiritually? In the opening verses of Genesis, Chapter 12, God promises to bless Abraham, and then he tells him why. You will be a blessing, God says, and all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. Now, Abraham couldn't see it at the time, but, but God's promise to bless him was the first step in a much larger plan to extend that blessing to the whole world. And I believe that his promise to bless us comes with the same expectation. Like Abraham, we've been blessed to be a blessing. I, I think we all understand that. And, and, and so I think it's important for us to, to take the next step. Let's, let's get into our scripture lesson today. It comes from the 47th chapter of the book of Ezekiel. And there, the old prophet has this vision and, and I believe it's a metaphor for measuring the increasing depth of our spirituality. So let me set the scene for you. As he writes this, Ezekiel is one of the captives that were taken back to Babylon after the fall of Jerusalem. Uh, it's not really a very pleasant time in his life or in the life of those people. All of them are struggling with, with why is this happening to me? Why would God allow the nation that he loves, that he blessed, that he cares so much about, to go through so much pain? It's a question they ask again and again, and it's a question that they ask particularly to God's prophet. 
So while he's in, a, in captivity, God gives Ezekiel this vision, this, this glimpse of heaven. And surprisingly, it's a raging river that flows out from underneath the throne of God. And now in Ezekiel's day, water was scarce. Where there was no water, there was no life. So, so clearly, God is reminding him that he is the source of life. Every Israelite knew they needed waters to survive. But they also were afraid of water. Remember, these are desert people. Uh, they never learned how to swim. And, and so the thought of going into the deep water scared them to death. Now, all of us have fears. I don't know what you're afraid of, but I can tell you this. Fear is a choice. Some people choose to live out of an abundant spirit. And some people choose to live out of a spirit of fear. But trusting God is the first step in going deeper spiritually. It, it, it's always that way. It always is a matter of our willingness to let go and put our trust in Almighty God. Let's take a look at this together. Ezekiel 47, verse 1. In my vision, he says, the man. And now I, I want to stop here because an awful lot of translations have this to read the messenger or the angel of God. And, and what you need to understand is when Ezekiel refers to the man, he's referring back to what he's called him earlier, which is the man who looked like he was made out of glowing bronze. So this is an angel. In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and there I saw water flowing east coming out from under the door of the temple. And the water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. And he then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east. Now remember, by the way, the temple has just been destroyed, right? It is no more. He is remembering it, and he's seeing it as something that's going to happen in the future. He led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east and the water was flowing from the south side. And as he went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits. And so let's just stop here a minute. A thousand cubits. A cubit is the distance from your elbow to the tip of your finger. About 18 inches. So a thousand cubits is 1,500 feet, give or take. Five football fields. A little over a quarter of a mile. He leads him out a quarter of a mile in the water, and this is what it says. And then, and then he led me through water that was ankle deep. Ankle deep. And, and, and you get it, right? I mean... God is giving Ezekiel and us an object lesson here. Uh, deep is, is calling out to deep. We're standing on the shore. He says, come on in. The water's fine. How deep do you dare go? How deep are you willing to step out in faith? And he's also reminding us that, that some people are only ankle deep. And you know what? That's okay. 
That's okay. They're just getting their feet wet spiritually, and that's okay. Everybody's got to start somewhere. We're, we're, we're all a work in progress spiritually, and the question is not how deep are you. The question is, are you deeper than you were last year? Are we growing in our faith, or have we become kind of stagnant? For communion, we're called to, to self-examination, to look at ourselves, to ask ourselves, you know, am, am, am I living up to what God has challenged me to do? None of us live it perfectly. None of us ever goes to bed at night and says, well, God, I'll bet you're proud of me, right? We go to bed at night, we confess our sins. But do you confess the same sin over and over and over again? Do you make the same promise to stop doing that? and keep doing it. Right? You see, there's this thing called sanctification, and what sanctification really is is a 25-cent word that means we're getting better. We're getting closer. We're getting more and more Christ-like in our walk every day. Now, I'll tell you what, that's a hard thing to do, but that's the call. Let's keep reading. Then Ezekiel says in verse 4, then he measured off another thousand cubits, and he led me through water that was knee-deep. And I think that's where some of us are, too. We're knee-deep. We've, we've waded out a little deeper spiritually. We're even thinking about going out farther than that. It's kind of like this. Do you, do you remember what we did when we were kids and we didn't know how to swim? Do you remember? Do you remember? We'd, we'd get in the shallow end of the pool, we'd get down on our knees so the water looked like it was about up to here, and we'd move our arms like this, and we'd yell, hey, Mom, look at me, look at me, I'm swimming, I'm swimming, right? And she'd holler back, oh, yeah, I can see you're doing great. But we weren't fooling anybody, were we? Huh? I mean, she knew and we knew that we weren't really swimming. And we also knew that there was something more to getting in the water, out there in the deep. We would look at people who were out there and we would say, I, I want some of that. I want to be able to do that. And if we wanted it bad enough, we learned how to swim. You see, that, that something better that was out there was calling to us. Deep. Calls out to deep. Now, fear keeps us from a lot of things, doesn't it? I mean, it keeps us from going deeper. And, and, and like we said, one of the things that really scares us is going deeper spiritually. And, and part of that is being more generous, and nothing scares us more than that. I mean, we're afraid that if we give, if we give too much, we're not going to have enough left over for all the things that we want, and so we hold back. Instead of giving first, we give last. Now, just for a minute, I want you to turn with me to the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 10. There God says, bring in the full tithe into the storehouse. And every time anybody ever preaches about this passage, people immediately shut their mind off here. So turn your mind back on, because we got to keep reading. you got to understand what God is trying to say. He says, bring in the full tithe into the storehouse. But then he says this, 
This is the verse that's most important of all the verses around it. Test me in this. Test me in this. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so many blessings that there will not be room enough to store it. Do you believe it? Most of the time when preachers read this passage, they say, trust God, take a leap of faith. The problem is most people who aren't giving aren't trusting either. You see, in the deep end of the giving pool, we understand that giving is all about gratitude. It's giving back for all the blessings we've received. But in the shallow end of the pool, people think it's a question of risk and reward. Risk and reward. They want the reward, but they're not sure it's worth the risk. And so now, think about this. What does God do? He takes away the risk. Instead of asking them to trust him, he asks them to test him. Do you see the difference? For, for all the years that I've been in ministry, 35 plus years, for all of those years, every time I marry a young couple, I, I make them go through premarital counseling. And, and we spend most of our time talking about money. Now, why do you think that is? It's because the number one reason cited for divorce is irreconcilable financial differences. Irreconcilable financial differences. It's what people fight about. That's really lawyer language for they can't stop arguing about money. And so I read this verse and I say to them, start out in your marriage by accepting the Malachi challenge. Put God to the test. And, and this is what I tell them to do. I say, look, take 10% of your income after taxes. Okay, you can argue with me. Maybe, maybe it isn't before taxes, but, but Jesus himself said, give unto Caesar what's due unto Caesar. So I tell them after taxes. Pay your taxes, the money that's left over, take 10% of that and put it in the bank. Put it in the bank under a separate account. Mark that account, God's giving account. And just let it grow. Just watch it. You, you have to give it a year. And at the end of the year, if God isn't faithful, it didn't cost you a dime. But if he is faithful... Well, then you have to honor your part of the bargain, don't you? Take the money out and give it away. Give it, give it to the mission. Give it to the Thanksgiving offering. Give it to the church. Give it to the poor in Biafra. I don't care where you give it, but give it somewhere for the kingdom of God. Advance his kingdom with your response, with your gratitude. And you know what? Over the years, an awful lot of people have told me that this worked. They always come up to me like, like it's going to be a surprise to me. You know what I mean? They, they always say, Pastor, guess what? We tried that. And, and it, it did work. It's amazing to me, but, but it worked. 
They were blessed financially or they were blessed relationally or they were blessed spiritually or vocationally or, or, or maybe even emotionally, but somehow, some way, they were blessed. And on the other side of the coin, you know what? I've never had one person, not one person, come up to me and say, you know what, I tried that and God didn't keep up his end of the bargain. And now, and now you need to understand, to make it a fair fight, I offered them a $100 reward. I say to these young couples, okay, put God to the test, and if he fails you, if you put that money in there and, and he didn't show up and do what you wanted him to do, I'll give you 100 bucks. Come tell me. Not one person, not one person has come to claim my $100. You see, I knew it was a safe bet. I've known it since I was a kid. I was raised in a family that said, take 10 cents of every dollar and put it aside for God. Unfortunately, most of the world didn't have my mother. It comes down to a question of trust. How deep do you really want to go spiritually? Let's keep reading. He measured off another thousand cubits, Ezekiel says, and, and led me through water that was up to my waist. And you know what? I, I think that's where an awful lot of us are. We're, we're in the water waist deep. We're serious about our faith. This has got some depth to it now. But you know what? I think God is inviting us to go a little deeper. In verse 5. He measured off another thousand cubits, and, and now it was a river that I could not cross because the, the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. And he asked me, son of man, do you see this? Do you see it? which is to say, are you understanding what's happening here? Do you see how this works? Like David, deep cries out to deep. And again, part of what he's saying is that, that where we'll find God is out there in the deep, in that deep pain, in deep fear, in deep joy and intimacy, and in deep sacrifice. And now, you know what? All of us know God's not found in the shallow things of life, right? And so, so there's this part of us that wants to go deeper. We hunger for a deeper, more intimate relationship with God, but, but it still scares us, doesn't it? We're afraid that God will ask us to give something or, or to give something up or both. And so let me just be honest with you. That's exactly what God is going to do. That is exactly what he does. That's exactly how it works again and again and again. The deeper we go, the more he wants. 
I know it's scary out there. I'm telling you, it's really scary. You have to think about this. You have to pray about this. This is serious stuff. You know, ducking under those floaties and going out into the deep end, don't do it lightly. In the months that followed the fall of Saigon, President Gerald Ford authorized the evacuation and resettlement of approximately 140,000 Vietnamese refugees. Do you remember that? At the time, Howard Skipper was the pastor at Bethany Reformed Church in Grand Rapids. My dad was the vice president in consistory. Howard felt like God was, was calling him to do something. He was whispering in his ear. He was saying, Howard, these people need help. Who's going to help them? First, Howard prayed that God would help them. Then God said to Howard, you help them. So Howard went to my dad. He told him all about how he'd been feeling and praying. And, and dad said, no way, Howard. We're not doing that. We're not getting involved with those people. That's not our problem. Now, you've heard me talk about my dad before. That doesn't sound like him. But my dad was in World War II in the Pacific Fleet. He watched a lot of his friends die in that war. He held one of his friends in his arms and watched him die in that war. And for him, after that, all Asians were the enemy. Didn't matter, Japanese, Chinese, Vietnamese, they're the enemy. He explained that to Howard. Howard was a very wise man. He said, I can, I can see that your emotions run really, really deep on this. Huh? But I want you to do something for me. I want you to pray about coming with me to Washington. And I want you to pay for it, too. But Howard said, after that, if you still feel that we shouldn't get involved, I will never bring it up again, Ed. Never. And so reluctantly, my dad agreed. And it was a big mistake. It was a big mistake. I mean, prayer is such a powerful thing. When we ask God what he wants us to do, you know what? God tells us. That's the way it works. When Carol and I did that, we ended up in seminary. When my dad did that, he ended up in Washington. And when he got there, some of the refugees were camped in army tents in the shadow of the Washington Monument. Do you remember seeing those pictures? My dad walked through that tent city and he, he heard their stories and he held their hungry babies in his arms. And it broke his heart. The next day on the way back to Grand Rapids, he and Howard mapped out the Freedom Flight program on a yellow legal pad. My dad made the first contribution to that fund. Eventually, thousands and thousands of Vietnamese refugees were relocated, many of them right here in, in West Michigan. Maybe you were a part of some of that. 
Years later, I asked him, Dad, what, what, what changed your mind? He said, the deeper I got into this, the, the more I felt like God wanted us to help. Like David said, deep cries out to deep. And so the question is, how deep do we really want to go? How deep? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you call us into the deep waters. We're comfortable in the shallow. You invite us to, to duck under the float rope and, and, and go out to be there with you, but it scares us. We're afraid. What, what is that going to mean? What is that going to mean for us relationally? What's it going to mean for us spiritually? What's it going to mean for us financially? What's it going to mean for us again and again and again? Fear keeps us from going out. But you call to us. Deep cries out to deep. Lord, give us ears to listen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.